All right, folks, welcome back to the Mount Must Wire football podcast. Jeremy Moss here. Hang on, Matt Ketterly. MWR.com. Thank you for the uh, extra clicks. People have been coming to view our website. Whether you find us from the Google or Yahoo or Ask Matt, is Ask a thing? Ask.com? Uh, I, I mean, I assume it still is. I mean, there's also DuckDuckGo. That, that's, that's out there, too. I did notice, we're going off topic right away. When I was out in the Bay Area a couple weeks ago, I saw the ask.com building. I'm like, so it must be a thing. It's not Ask Jeeves anymore. It's just ask.com. That's true. It's in Oakland, right? Uh, yeah, I happened to be in that area. Yeah, I was out to uh, Great America, and I don't remember where exactly where I was at in the area, but I just thought, oh, the ask.com building. So they must be doing good enough to have a high-rise building in that area of the country where it's uh, not cheap. So good for them. <laughs> All right, let's get to our actual stuff. We don't need to talk about search engines or anything, but people have been coming to our site, Twitter, MWCWire, Mountain Wire on Facebook. But now we're going to uh, week uh, two. We apologized last week, scheduling stuff, so we didn't have a recap podcast. So are you ready for week two then, Matt? I am ready. And this week, you're going to have to do some ninja ninja work to watch all these games. Not because the channels, but 12 games on Saturday. That's a lot. That just means you have all day, right? 9 a.m. Pacific until whenever the Hawaii Hawaii game ends, right? Hopefully you have the whole day in front of you. I will have to do some research on Sunday before I record because I will not have the whole day in front of me on Saturday. Because yeah, there's stuff going on. So, but I will be well informed. Watch highlights, watch games, record. Use that that DVR space for me. It's going to be filled up this weekend. I'm telling you. Very nice. Very All nice. Right. All right. So let's just get to the games here, and we'll sprinkle in a few nuggets from the last week's game, just that what we felt important. So let's just, we'll just go in chronological order. Um, this is almost an FCS game. In New Mexico at number five, Wisconsin. Um, the line currently, I'm not sure what we have. I have our spreadsheet up here where we're gonna. Also, I am gonna post picks this week, so apologize for that. Didn't get out last week from our staff, but 35 points seems a bit low. <laughs> you think so? Remember um, when Utah State played Wisconsin last year? It was like 54 to 10. That is, yeah, I think it was, yeah. And even though Utah State was went to a bowl game, they were just okay last year. That team last year is still way better than whatever New Mexico is running this year. And just to clarify, I went to Vegas Insider real quick. The line is still 35. Okay, I'm looking at ESPN Pick Center, so that's where I'm at the moment. I have a few. I always have too many tabs, as Matt knows, so I have a couple yeah, that's of you and me. You and me both. Pro tip, get the uh, tab suspender on Chrome so that if you have all these tabs opens opened excuse me not opens it will not close them down but it'll put a blue screen over there and a little character and basically it'll make your computer run more smoothly just because you don't have a flash in the background of graphics loading ads slideshows whatever so that's a pro tip go to the chrome store and get tab suspender so that's mm-hmm. why i sort of use so that that's my little uh, thing there so um we're gonna have a q a on a website from our good buddy jake kokorowski from bucky's fifth quarter i was late I, you'll see a theme. I'm late a lot, Matt, apparently, this past couple weeks of getting things done. Mm-hmm. We'll have a Q&A up on that. But we talked with him in the offseason. We kind of joked around, talked about tailgating stuff. But as for actual football stuff, they have a running back who's pretty good, Jonathan Taylor, who's a Heisman uh, contender, front runner. And what we also do know, Matt, um, Matt, tell everybody how bad the Lobo's rush defense usually is. Well, I mean, we should probably start by saying that they were actually pretty decent last week against Incarnate Word. Granted, you know, the Cardinals threw <laughs> – I mean, they threw a lot, right? But, you know, I think it's 
I think it's worth giving credit when a team does what they're supposed to do against a beatable opponent. And in that regard, the Lobos were successful last week. But of course, there's a huge jump. Probably, I mean, this is probably the single most difficult jump in difficulty from one week to the next of any team in the conference this year. Because Jonathan Taylor, you know, is probably the best running back they're going to face all year long. And one of the interesting nuggets that I looked up from Wisconsin's big win last week against Western Kentucky, he averaged over 10 yards per carry on first down. So he's basically averaging a first down on first down. Yeah. That's which is good. ridiculous. That's pretty good, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, that right there is is one of those things where just right off the bat, you would kind of hope that the front, you know, the front seven would be better prepared for, you know, to slow down that kind of production. But, you know, Wisconsin, I think, is a team that always strives to be balanced. And so probably the most critical thing not only besides slow, slowing down Taylor, of course, is, you know, at some point they're going to have to make stops during the passing game mm-hmm. too. And, you know, that was one of those things where, especially in last week's game, you know, uh, Badgers quarterback Alex Hornerbrook, he was 7 of 10 on third down passes, and he had six conversions in those situations. So it's not going to be enough just to win on first and second down. You know, if the Lobos can't find a way off the field, you know, even in third and mid situations, even going back to last year, Hornerbrook was one of the better quarterbacks in all of the country in those situations. So, you know, asking for more than a handful of three and outs seems like really demanding on its face. But, you know, the Lobos are basically going to have to play the game of their lives, especially when it comes to defending the pass if they want to have a shot in this game. They'll have to play the game of their lives to keep it within two touchdowns. Like, they can play the most perfect game on their end and still get blown out. Like they could have no turnovers, say they're what, four of nine on third down, basically 50% on third down, but they have not many penalties, but drives just stall out when they go down the field. They could have a decent run average, but they fell on whatever. They just don't have chances to score. They could have the most perfect game and still lose by a couple touchdowns. Yeah. But this is a good thing because this is arguably. Would you say this is the most uh, talented team on any Mountain West schedule playing at Wisconsin? Oh, absolutely. Because Michigan State, top twelve team, looked okay last week. Utah State, um, USC is not very good. Minnesota, UCLA. Uh, well, not USC is not any good, but USC maybe USC, but UNLV ran all over them. Mm-hmm. Boise goes to Oklahoma State. It's this. Yeah, I'd say this is the toughest team on there. I have, I have a very important question for you, Matt. We're gonna have a debate. Maybe we'll put a not a debate. I hate using that word, but we'll have a conversation. Who should own the Throwbow hashtag? Because somebody tossed out Throwbows for the for the Warriors with the B O W S at the end. I mean, can't we all just get along? Can't we just use both? I guess, right? Yeah, absolutely. But should there be a winner though? Should there be somebody who should get it more more deserving than the other? It is week. We've only seen three total games from these teams, but. We, we well, just, maybe we should wait until they play each other in a year or two and oh, then determine geez. that. Really? I can't wait that long. Sure you can. <laughs> a year or two? How about we do both? That's a, that's a good a good idea. But this game, so Alex Hornibrook for Wisconsin, he's, he, like you mentioned, he's great in third down. He was about 58% versus Western Kentucky, so that's okay. No picks, couple touchdowns. He played well. He's not a, a guy who's going to just gonna torch the secondary. He might in this particular game, but he's not – they're he's similar to kind of like a Christian Chapman, a little bit player. Like he'll play well, decent completion percentage, but he may not win you any games. 
Like, he may not be a guy who throws for 400 yards and, like, 30 for 38 or something. But he's not going to turn it over, and they're just going to run the ball. They'll be balanced, but this is going to be a game where Lobo's going to have to try to do something on the rush defense to stop Jonathan Taylor, which I don't see it happening. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of a difficult situation because even if you sell out to slow Taylor, you know, and you think about San Diego State last week where, you know, they sold out to stop Bryce Love. We'll talk about more of that, more of that in a minute. But then, you know, they got beat by the passing game instead. And so, you know, it's hard to see a path to victory on in that regard. I mean, the other big thing that New Mexico can do is, you know, to control the clock. Because, you know, for as good as Tavaka Tuiati was last week, and, you know, I think it's worth noting, you know, he had four touchdowns, which was the boast by a New Mexico quarterback in 20 years. Passing touchdowns, right? Four passing touchdowns. Oh, yep, that sounds right. I really think that the running game is going to have to be better than it was last week, especially that top two of Tyrone Owens and Dave Vigilant, because, you know, between them, they had 24 carries and they only managed about, you know, I think 74 yards and they, they didn't have quite that same explosiveness between the two of them that we've become accustomed to in years past with this Lobos offense. And maybe that has to do with this new look. You know, they were a little more balanced when it came to running the ball and throwing the ball last week against Incarnate Word. But I think, you know, the best thing you can do if you know you're going up against a Wisconsin offense that has a decisive talent advantage no matter where you look, if the offense control can control the game, you know, that I think is going to come down to running the ball. And that I think is going to come down to either Owens or Vigilant or both having a really big performance. Yeah, and also like they need they're gonna they want to pass more. We clearly know they're gonna want to pass more. That's their plan, essentially what they want to do. And so they've got to throw obviously me run it a little bit better. It's not gonna be like last year. I don't think it's gonna be like that, but it's going to be where be better than last year, right? I would think so, yeah. But so this game we didn't mention it's a nine AM Pacific ten local Big Ten Network. So if you don't have Big Ten Network, um, we have a link or we'll have a link in our like how to watch Hey, Fubo free trial. Go. I used that last week. Pretty cool. So, if you don't want to pay for it, I'm I'm just mad. I'm just delaying the inevitable where I have to actually add CBS Sports Network because I live in a apartment apartment complex that has a wonky Directv setup, mm-hmm. and I don't want to pay thirty bucks for like two extra channels. I want like FXX and CBS. I'm like, eh, I'll wait on those for as much as I can. Mm-hmm. So, what's your prediction here? So we have. I actually see yours here, but I I need to fill mine as we go. So, what is your straight up? I'm assuming Wisconsin, right? That's easy enough to say, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that New Mexico's offense is going to struggle a lot in this game. <laughs> Be nice. Yeah, and, you know, I think eventually they'll run into better matchups where, you know, they'll be able to get things going both in the air and on the ground. But I really just don't see a, where they're able to keep up with Wisconsin. So, you know, if straight up you said I have Wisconsin, you're right. And I also have them against the spread as well. I think it's probably going to be like 52 to 10 or something like that. It is. It's just a huge spread, but it is, it's, they're going to be fine. Because Western Kentucky is usually a decent team. They're in the Sun Belt. They just kind of took care of business like it was nothing. So, yeah. Just, yeah, so that's my pick as well. Score, I don't know, 40 to 10, something like Oh, no, that wouldn't be covering. Shoot, I can't do that then. <laughs> 50 to 10 i don't know it's gonna be it's gonna be a long day so if you're there in wisconsin go let's start old podcast come from a month or two ago go hang out go see some tailgating get some brats and beer and then have some fun right make a day of it exactly because you'll, you'll have all night to watch other games if you want to or you can read up on the basketball news that the albuquerque journal is doing quite a bit on because it's a basketball team there so whatever next game this game could be if there's one game I'm looking forward to it might be this next one here possibly 
Nevada. Yeah, it's a Nevada game at Vanderbilt. Uh, it's 10 a.m. Mountain Time, SEC Network, so make sure you find that. Um, 11 local time, which is a little, it's an early game, but is it currently? I'm looking at ESPN Pick Center. Is Vegas Insider the same at 9.5 for Vandy? Uh, I believe they had it at 9 last I checked. It so, is, yes. Yeah, it opened at 8. It is currently 9. Is it me? Not not just on a homers, but that seems way too many points. Way too many points. It's for a SEC team that might win four games. Maybe. I, I think it, it depends. I think it depends on how you feel about Nevada. Well, everybody knows how I feel about Nevada. That's true. Give me all the Wolfpack. <laughs> I mean, I think it's really interesting because when you go back and look at what they did last week, and I'm talking about Vanderbilt Hill here. What they did last week against Middle Tennessee State was actually pretty impressive. Like they didn't necessarily need the offense to go off, even though they won 35 to seven. You know, they only had a you know a yardage advantage of about 50 yards, but it was the defense that really stepped up and contributed a lot. You know, they forced two fumbles, they recovered one of them, um, they sacked uh, Middle Tennessee State six times. And so to me, that tells me that, you know, maybe this defensive front, which I think is, is one of those things that head coach Derek Mason has worked on for a while, mm-hmm. you know, they've got a couple of young guys up there in Dayo Odeyingbo and Cameron Tidd, who are sophomores, who both had pretty nice games last week. But, you know, they got contributions from more than one person, you know, and they have an article up on the Tennessean, which is actually pretty interesting with some video breakdowns of how they were able to get pressure last week. And it wasn't just one guy, you know, Kenny Abair, I think was the only one with more than one sack. And, you know, so Nevada's going to have to account for all of those guys, especially when you consider that they're probably going to put a lot in Ty Kanji's hands, kind of like they did last week against Portland State, to say, go out and win this game with your arm. Well, also to consider Brent Stocksdale, he's a pretty good quarterback as well. They're at Middle Tennessee yeah. State. He, I thought he's gone this year. I didn't know he had one more year, but I remember when they were in the out in Hawaii, he played quite well in the Hawaii Bowl a couple years ago. He's probably mm-hmm. going to be an NFL quarterback or fringe guy whenever he probably this is his last year. So it's not like they're going up against a middle, yeah, middle of Tennessee State. They're they're usually a pretty good team. Not you know what I mean they're just above average team essentially. They've had a good year a couple years ago, really good year. But this guy is a quarterback who Middle of Tennessee State runs like a similar offense to Nevada. They want to throw a ton. Mm-hmm. And so it's not going to be too much of a difference. But here's one interesting thing why it was so close, too. Or not, excuse me, not so close. Nevada, or excuse me, Vanderbilt, excuse me, had one of their starting safeties ejected for targeting early in the game. One of their main safety defensive backs was suspended for, I think, uh, shoot, he got he got arrested for something. He may not be back this game. So they were thin at secondary. They still showed up fine. So if the so the targeting, if it's a first-half target, you're out just for that game, right? Uh, yes, and if it's, just, it's if it's in the second half, then you miss the first half right. the following week. That's what I thought. So that guy will be back. The other, I wish I had names in front of me. I remember just reading over kind of just some stuff that was going on. But they may not have their main guy back secondary. So there's that. That could be an area where Nevada, because Nevada's going to be more pass-heavy open than even Middle Tennessee State. Mm-hmm. And so if Nevada, or excuse me, Vandy is missing a key contributor there, that could be an issue maybe. And like Vanderbilt, you're right. They do have a good defense. So get to, they'll get to the quarterback. But I just think like 
it's almost a template line. Also, we'll have we talked with Adam Sparks, right, from Tennessee, and we'll have something on the site as well. A little Q and A. So he's the guy who covers them. So he is nice enough to help us out there. That look for that Friday. I'm hoping for crossing fingers. He gets back to my email and <laughs> my second email. We conversed a bit, but like I kind of joked, the Vanderbilt not a, not that they're an amazing team. They're probably going to be a bowl team. Yes, they're in the SEC. They're just thought of because Alabama, Florida, Georgia, Auburn. They're typically the bottom third, but they're still pretty good. I just wondered what this Nevada defense will do because that's their issue. And it's again, when you play Portland state, Matt, what are we, what are we really going to learn outside of them not pulling a San Jose state or Kansas and losing to the FCS team? Well, I mean, I think what you can learn is that the defense responded to adversity because it was a very different game in the first half. And in the second half, you know, in the first half, the Vikings were able to put together some fairly long drives. Like their first drive right out the bat was a seven play 75 yard touchdown drive and then you know later on closer to halftime they had another play you know a 75 yard strike that was a touchdown but you know give credit to the Wolfpack defense because after halftime Portland State's longest drive was their last one that basically ran out the clock and that was only 36 yards so to me you know that tells me that you know, this defense is going to be ready to play. I think they're definitely going to be able to bring pressure against Vanderbilt, which is something that Middle Tennessee State didn't get to do a whole lot of last week. You know, if I'm looking for Malik Reed to kind of hit that first peak of the year, it's going to be in this game right here. And he played quite well, six tackles, TFL on the sack. One mm-hmm. thing, let me flip back to the offense really quick for Nevada. Are you concerned with the running game? Because it was Portland State, so they probably played a lot of guys who normally don't play. Toa Tua, Tawa, freshman, led the way for them. They had a bunch of guys with about three guys over 40-plus yards. And two, a couple of those plays like, were all tw- a 20- and 30-yarder were basically the entire rushes by two guys with uh, Lee and Kincaid. Are you, is that, that's a little concerning. I know Nevada wants to pass, but they got to be a little bit more balanced. No, I don't think so. Because I think you know we know what Kelton Moore is. He's a guy who can you know, not only you know, he can not only run the ball, but he can, you know, throw, he can catch some passes and even throw too. Let's not forget that. Exactly. Yeah. You know, maybe, maybe this is the kind of situation where they catch the Commodores napping with that kind of halfback option pass. But I mean, I think when you look back at what they were able to do last week, you know, they did have eight runs of over 10 yards. They had two runs of over 20 yards. Mm -hmm. So I think they got the production they wanted out of the ground game, even if it wasn't quite as, maybe spectacular as you were i had hoped it was efficient against a team that was you know you know overmatched talent wise don't get me wrong they had four rushing touchdowns as well so it's not like they were doing nothing and they averaged Mm -hmm. six yards of carry maybe i'm overreacting because it was just evenly split over the way and i wanted one guy to step out so maybe i should disregard that comment (laughs) just because they 6.2 yards of carry four touchdowns 200 yards multiple 10 plus yard runs maybe i'm just looking for one guy but in these games it's going to be give to a towel play because he's going to be a pretty talented guy in this team so with this game because we don't we're doing 12 games we can't spend forever on all these games this is not going to be a three-hour show we got things to do today Matt. we're not that um, our schedule's not that free but so let me give you this the line is about 10 points so i'm over to tennessee and did you see their prediction post i did not okay nevada vanderbilt predictions commodores will improve to 2-0 great title their sports director predicts it's no shock these are all going to be Vanderbilt victories here because it's from the ten- Tennessean, okay? They're like, oh, they're playing the Mountain West team. Who's Nevada? Well, they better be careful on this one. Vanderbilt, their sports director says Vanderbilt 42, Nevada 21. 42? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, 
it gets better. Um, a sports columnist, uh, Joe Rexrode, forty-one twenty. Um, the sport uh, sports planner, Nick Nicole. Excuse me, I was say Nicholas. No, Nicole Savardra or Savidra, thirty-five seventeen Vanderbilt. Adam Sparks, thirty-seven twenty-four for Vanderbilt. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's... I mean, I I think the biggest factor in this game. I think what's going to decide this game one way or the other is, you know, can Nevada be as explosive with the passing game as they were last week? Because, you know, we talked about, you know, the lack of explosiveness from Kelton Moore, but let's not forget, you know, they lead with the pass and Ganji had himself a pretty nice game last week. And by the way, that included nine passes of over 20 yards as a team. Mm -hmm. So if they can at least approach that number again, you know, I think that, you know, with the question marks that they have in the secondary, Vanderbilt, you know, you were referring to the guy who was, you know, knocked out with targeting. That's Ladarius Wiley. Mm-hmm. But they were already missing another one of their safeties. So, you know, Tay yep. Daly, the sophomore safety, you know, he's in the starting lineup. And, you know, that is a guy that, you know, someone like McLean Mannix, if they choose to, you know, have him go at, go down, go deep, go get it. You know, that's a matchup that this team, I think, is good enough to pick on. And also, who's going to stop, like, Drax Raymond? They got a guy to guard the tight end? And and this is why I like Nevada to win this game. Because Drax Raymond? <laughs> well, yeah, but I, I just think that Nevada's passing game is going to be able to lead the way. I think they're going to be able to move the ball more than a lot of Vanderbilt supporters would expect them to. Yeah, and and I get it. I get part of the prediction because they're a 10-point favorite, so that takes into – basically a 10-point favorite, 8-10, to 10, where, depending where you look at the moment – and like, well, we're an SEC team. We're at home. We beat up a Middle Tennessee State team who has a somewhat similar type of offense to what they'll see in Nevada. A lot of passing. I just go back to like the last year. It'll be like the over under is about sixty points. It is a mm-hmm. uh, sixty three at the moment. Improved a bit, so they're looking for a high scoring game in that one. And I, when I did my initial early lines, I'm like, take Nevada all day. Like, I think I had it. I think it was eight points. I believe that's what I started with. If I use Vegas Insider, which I usually do, this. Is a team where, yeah, Nevada may not score 60 points, 45 points, but I don't see how this will remind me of like a CSU game last year when they're all these games late in the year where they're playing teams that are they'll be 90 points scored and it'll be whoever has the ball last will essentially win this game. Mm-hmm. That's what I kind of think it'll be like really quick going to total defense in SEC. Like Vanderbilt was eighth, they're giving up six almost six yards of play. And if I go to non conference, which is probably a bit better indicator, they were. They were number one in non-conference play, but I don't remember who they played. Probably a bunch of patsies like they normally do. I'm like, I'm like into that, but looking at just it, yeah, here, here we go. Like during non-conference game, how can you take into account it was Middle Tennessee State, Alabama, and OK Kansas State team and Western Kentucky again? They held, they did quite well, but when they get to play teams that can move the ball, like floor, like Alabama seven yards to play, they give up. Here's a stat which will probably blow your mind. They lost to Florida last year. They gave up over six yards to play to Florida. Wow. Just saying. Huh. So, yeah, I'm going Nevada to win, clearly. Oh, then before I go, before I go that real quick. So, I went to ESPN Pick Center. They do predict, they do have um, Vanderbilt winning by about seven to nine points. However, when you go to the, they're basically giving them only a 60% chance to win, like in the, for the consensus spread pick, I'm guessing. I'm looking at it right here. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that's not, I'm sorry, that's not the FPI. I wanted FPI. Do you have the FPI up or something where, the actual percentage, because that's what I wanted to look at, actually. Uh, I do not. But okay. I can tell you that 
um, S&P Plus there has Vanderbilt covering the spread. They predict uh, thirty-seven to twenty-eight. Are we being? Are we looking too hard in this game? Are we putting in our Nevada glasses too much and think they're going to win because they've been scoring forty-plus points the past what five games, six, seven games, almost since last year? I mean, I just think they're going to be able to protect Ganji. I think they're going to be able to pick up chunk yardage, and I think they're going to be able to find the end zone. I think it's going to come down to outscoring Vanderbilt, but I like their chances to do so. Here's the thing, too, really quick. FPI only gives them a 28% chance to win. But I'm going Nevada outright and to win, like, 40 to 30. Yeah, I think it's going to be, like, 38-31. It, yeah, it's just going to be something big where the point, both teams will score. Because Nevada's defense still has a lot to work on. We're not stupid or dumb to say they're going to shut down even a Vanderbilt offense, which looked good last week, but it's never historically great outside of when Jay Cutler was there. So, yeah. Let's move on. This other next game is also one of my favorites. I, I'm going to have a lot of favorite games. Every game should be your favorite almost. But Air Force at Fort Atlantic, CBS Sports Network 1. There should be two Eastern out there in the in Boca Raton. The, was it the Owl's Nest that uh, Bo Schembechler built? Or her? I believe the, uh, Not I believe Bo, the, the, the official name is just FAU Stadium, which is super boring. It's not Shell, Schellenberger Stadium, whatever? Howard? I don't, I don't think so, no. It should be. Yeah, it's FAU. Not just FAU Stadium, Matt. FAU Football Stadium. That's boring. Why is it not the um, – oh, they got Lane Kiffin cache. Why isn't he sponsoring or getting some money from somewhere? So this game, FAU is a nine-and-a-half-point favorite. I still think this matchup is one of those where they're still getting a lot of preseason shine because of Lane Kiffin, because how they played well. Like I think S&P Plus, what do they have? FAU is like the top 12 team, the final half of the year, something like that. Yeah, they were playing really well down the stretch last year. It kind of reminds me of like BYU last year when they started winning games against the likes of uh, poor team, like really bad teams. Not that the CUSA is bad or, well, it's not great, but it's not amazing, but they're beating up on teams they should beat on. They're doing it quite well. So you give them credit for winning because that's who they play. But Oklahoma is really good. And a lot of people, even me, like, oh, maybe it'll be close. It was 20 0 first quarter, 42 at the half. Their alleged great running back, who still might be good, Devin Singletary, had only 69 yards in the score, and a third of that came on one play. Not so nice. No, no, not so nice in that demonstrative loss. Their quarterbacks, they kind of went over on the board. Like, was uh, Chris Robinson did okay, just over 50%, but the yardage wasn't there. And if you look at it, too, see how much rushing yards Oklahoma had? 316. Average, like, nine yards a carry. Just about. <laughs> so... Air Force has quite a quite a quite an accomplished running attack as, as their own. That's and true. As we all know, whenever you play an academy team or Georgia Tech or Georgia Southern triple option team or New Mexico, when they used to run that more um, prominently, it's going to be a game the whole time. It's not going to be a blowout, I don't think. I mean, Florida Atlantic got wrecked last week. Let's not beat around the bush. Oh no, they were destroyed. They were embarrassed. They were. It was the game on Big Fox, twelve high noon. All right, what do you got, Kiffin? You got all this. You're getting votes in top 25. You're considered a dark horse playoff team or group of five champion. It still could be the case to get that bowl game. One loss isn't going to do it in for you, but you don't even show up. But it's going to be interesting to see how much you know Air Force takes away from you know they were just as dominant against Stony Brook last week that you know that you know, like Oklahoma was over FAU. You know, they, I'm trying to look up how the yards per play that Stony Brook had. I think it was like one and a half yards per play. <laughs> it was it was something really absurd like that. And so, obviously, Florida Atlantic's more talented. Like, you know, just because they got hammered by Oklahoma doesn't mean they're going to fall off the map anytime soon. But I think you're right. It is going to come down to whether they can stop Singletary or not. 
because when teams have been able to do that, and that was most demonstrated, you know, not only last week against Oklahoma, but, you know, Navy and Wisconsin also managed to turn the trick last year as well. And the Owls ended up losing both of those games. So I think, you know, if Air Force can step up, if their front seven can have a big game, that I think is going to be the biggest opportunity for them to kind of pull an upset. So for me, when I wrote my preview ahead of this game, you know, I'm looking at you know defensive end Jordan Jackson and outside linebacker Lakota Wills. Because I think if they can force Singletary to stay between the tackles, you know, I do think that the guys they have in the middle, Mosesa Fafita and Mike Capra, Cody Gessler, I think they've got the talent to match up pretty well with the interior that Florida Atlantic's going to be running out there because they do have a couple of veterans out there in Junior Diaz and Antonio Riles. But, you know, at left guard, they have a redshirt freshman, BJ Etienne. You know, if they can exploit that matchup, you know, if they could force the Owls to throw more often than they want to, that I think is going to make for a pretty favorable matchup. It will be. Um, so do we, let me kind of flip, flip around a little bit. I'm trying to, about trying, I'm trying to find some other FAU stuff here, but as I'm doing on the fly, Matt, do we um, know who's going to be like their starting, the main running back for Air Force? With playing Stony Brook, it's hard to tell because everybody was running the ball. We know it's not going to be one guy ever, but they had three guys, about 60-plus yards each. Um, Cole Fagan, Worthman, obviously the quarterback, Joseph Saucier. Or is it Saucy? Can I call him Saucy? I think it – well, maybe that's his nickname. That, that's a good one, right? Call him Saucy. Seven yards of carry? Might as well be. That's a Saucy run there. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be – because it's going to be one of those three guys, but I don't – that's my one concern. Not concern, but it's what I want to see in this game. Like, who's going to be – because they usually have one guy, right? They're typically like Jacoby Owens or guys in the past have always had like one big guy back there, and then everybody else can make, contribute. You'll see, you'll see fifteen guys running the ball, right? Basically <laughs> for this game, and you'll see one guy with about 15, 12, 15, 18, then like 12, 10, 6, 4, 4, 4, 4, 4. I want them to have one big guy, and this is a game where it's a pretty, it's a good opponent. They're gonna have to outscore this team as well because FAU is gonna probably put up some offensive points because of the Air Force defense as well. Eh, I don't trust them. I mean, I don't know that they necessarily need one guy. I think the most important thing is that between Saucier and and Fagan, that they were able to take, you know, all, some of the responsibility out of Arian Worthman's hands to do have to do everything like he did at times last year. Yeah, you know, because between the two of them, you know, Fagan only had three point seven yards per carry last week, but Saucier had over seven, and Worthman had six. And I think that if they can get those numbers again against Florida Atlantic, that's going to be huge for them but to me i also want to see worthman take a step forward in the passing game too because you know that was something that was maybe a little bit disappointing from last week's game because he was only two of eight throwing the football and while he did average you know while one of them was a 25 yard completion to marcus bennett you know i think you know they're never going to be the most efficient team but i think they are going to want to hit one or two more of those explosive plays in order to kind of keep the owls on their heels. So do you think that could, it's a possibility that could happen because typically there's not going to be, um, Oh shoot. What's his name? A couple years ago. Um, the Falcons receiver, um, Jalen Robinette. Yeah. Sorry. I should know it. Jalen Robinette who kind of got screwed on draft day. Essentially. Um, they're not going to have a guy like that because he's probably one of their best receivers ever top four to five. Um, and within the, uh, 
Falcons uh, passing attack or receiving attack, I should say. But we see what they can do, like with Tim Jefferson and other guys. They can throw the ball. And what it will come down to a lot of the times, which it could be just be a guy catches three passes for 85 yards and has two touchdowns because two of those are 30-plus yard plays. Mm-hmm. So it always comes down to, I know it's boring, but if you're Florida Atlantic people tuning in, thank you for that, first of all. The defense can't take the step in because it's boring, but you know it. If you don't play one eleventh football on defense, if you don't play, you're guarding your guy. You're not guarding the nose tackle. You're not making your play on the defensive end. If you're not following the fullback dive, the one time that secondary, the cornerback, or maybe the coordinator pull, pulls a blitz and they get beat because they do a they do something differently or the guy's like, well, I'm not going to protect. I'm not going to guard this uh, boundary corner on the side here. I'm going to play the inside because – I want to be one step closer to that running back who's been breaking through all day. The one time they do that, they'll make the play downfield. And so that's what – it's it's what always happens with Air Force. There's always typically one huge big pass play, but I want that to be more consistent. I don't need – like, what do you need Worthman to do, really, Matt? Go 4-7 for 120 yards? Yeah, I think I think when you when you think of Air Force and what they do when they pass the ball, I think 50% is always the magic number because you know they're always going for the home run when they do it. Yeah, and so – like he'll if they start throwing 12, 12 plus passes, that's when you know things are getting out of hand and not going their way. Mm-hmm. So what do you? What's your prediction here? Because it's a the line officially is eight and a half. Uh, last I checked, it was nine and a half. Excuse unless me. it dropped. Excuse me, nine and a half at the moment. Is it? Is it? But am I just being overstating too much that this is because of Lane Kiffin and what the preseason projections still say to why they're the favorite? I mean, I think that that wouldn't surprise me. I think one of the maybe the most interesting thing about the S&P pluck picks this week is that they basically forecast a dead even tie. Ooh, that's not what team rankings and number fire says. It's the complete opposite. It's very interesting. Team rank. Well, team rankings is close with the line. They predict the FAU win by 10. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know what, what computer formula. Maybe they add an extra comma or decimal point for their uh, predictions. Number Fire has Air Force scoring 26 points, Florida Atlantic 43 points. I like Air Force to be able to kind of make it really uncomfortable for Florida Atlantic. But I'm, I'm a little skeptical of the defense being able to keep the Florida Atlantic offense in check. Because, you know, it's one of the things that I wrote about in the opening preview, and I think it's going to be doubly true for this particular game, is can they keep, you know, containing the explosive play? Because the Owls are definitely more explosive than the Seawolves were last week. And so, you know, if they can't get pressure on Chris Robeson, you know, there's nothing that says they can't pick them apart. And if the running game can't get going against what's still a pretty good front seven. You know, they had six tackles for loss last week, even though they lost, you know, someone like Aziz Al-Shair from the middle linebacker position could still, you know, shut down a third and four or third and five, or someone like Ernest Bagner could come off the edge and force a fumble if they're not careful. So I think that air force will be able to keep it close. I would pick them against the spread, but I do think that Florida Atlantic is going to win this game. I'm going to say 28-21. I think you're right. I wouldn't be surprised if Air Force goes into win. Well, maybe. Do we? Are we still going to do dumb, stupid upset picks? Should we still do with that? We haven't done those in a while. Well, yeah. I mean, that's kind of our thing. <laughs> it's our thing. <sighs> I already typed down Air Force against the spread, Florida straight up. If I'm going to, if I'm looking at the other games on the schedule, I don't. But it's, it's not a stupid upset. If it's only ten. No, I. 
sure, why not? I'll go Air Force, I'll get to spread and straight up. I'll do it. All right. Not super confident, but I think they'll do it. It'll well, be. Well, that's why they. That's why they call it stupid. Hey, it's yeah, but sure, yeah, it's stupid, but I'll do it. <laughs> All right, so Air Force FAU. That's my stupid upset pick, I guess. We'll keep track of those, and it's only ten points. And I think FAU might be a bit overhyped, and maybe they're banged up too from playing a big Oklahoma team, and now they have to face another team that'll just run and run and run crazy against them. Thank you for listening to the Mountain West Wire podcast, where SU doesn't stand for straight up. Stands for stupid upset. There you go. That's what we need. Stupid upsets. That's perfect. All right. Next game. Let's go quickly here. Wyoming at Missouri. Oh boy. 18 and a half point line for Missouri. That's a lot of points. ESPNU. It's a uh, five local time in a uh, mountain time zone for Pacific uh, seven Eastern time. If you're keeping track, if you're not in the area, um, Wyoming looked okay for about three plus quarters last week. I think I'll just say this. Wyoming po- pulled a Boise state last year versus Washington state just because of how many points were given up in like the fourth quarter in that second half, because they scored 21 points in the fourth quarter to the 41, 19 game. It was really close before. And so like Minshew was doing okay. They were stopping the running game. Washington state had to pond a lot, but it's Wyoming's offense is just bad. Well, I think what you saw last week was, you know, what happens when the balance of, a, you know, trying to balance a young offense doesn't work out the way that you intend it to. So we've kind of seen it both ways where, you know, in the opener against New Mexico, New Mexico State, you know, Nico Evans and the rest of the running game had no problem moving the football. And Tyler Vanderwall was, you know, if not necessarily explosive, he was efficient and he did his part to keep the chains moving. Last week, that was not the case. And one of the things that stood out to me was the fact that he was only one of 10 throwing the ball on third downs. And, you know, a lot of that came down to being put into more more obvious passing situations. So I think one of the keys to this game is just trying to rectify that. You know, maybe they do lean a little more on the running game this time around and try to take some of that pressure off of Vanderwall or at least put him in situations where it's third and short if they want to run the ball and kind of open up the playbook a little bit. That's true. Like, they ran – like, Washington State's defense isn't great, but they ran fairly well last week. Like, it's better than it was the year before where they couldn't get anything. Like, Nico Evans had 89, Bigelow had 42. They ran okay for mm-hmm. what they did. And so, with Missouri, I – um, that's a good start. Like, you mentioned the balancing. Like, if they can have probably a bit more rushing, like, get to 200 total, but Vanderbilt can't go 8 of 20, 67 yards. Like, looking at the team stats, like, they were 3 of 13 on third down. Defense did their part. Washington State was 3 of 14, but those 3 of 4 on fourth downs kind of killed the men. You're right. They got to be – it's hard to get a new quarterback, and now he goes on the road for the first time this – no, no, sorry, second time, Mexico State. They go to Missouri, which is – can we laugh and say it's SEC country? Is that okay to chuckle at? I'll allow it. <laughs> Good. It is technically, but it's, like, so far west and north. And it's not even in the southern – part of the United States, essentially Missouri, but they're there. So they're going to have to do like Vanderwall. The defense can't do it all. As you noticed in that game, 41 points, they just can't, they had safety. Will they go three for three on safeties? That'd yeah, be- here, and, and this yes. is maybe one of the most telling things from that game, you know, yards per play, Washington state 4.99. That's pretty good actually. Yeah. But the offense had 2.82 yards per play and yeah. that's just not going to get it done against, you know, Washington state or Missouri or any other opponent really. It's not. And so I already ch- – I'm going to post this later. I talked with uh, Pete uh, Scat- Scattleberry, Scantleberry mm-hmm. from uh, M-, M Rock Nation who does uh, plenty of stuff for Missouri. Chatted with him a little bit. Um, a couple of things. Like, their offense was pretty um, 
not mediocre, but vanilla because they played UT Martin. They're going to want to – they promote a variety of formations. Like, they have good tight ends. Like, they want to kind of spread it out a little bit. They were running, like, what their offense would look like as for formations, but not necessarily the plays, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. So they kind of get the setup, but the players are going to be very different. A lot of teams do this. Like, you play FCS teams, lower-level teams. Why show it all? Especially when Missouri knows they're playing a good defense. But the biggest thing they're to contend with, it's another good quarterback. Drew Locke, some people are saying, could be, like, the first pick in the draft. Um, for the quarterback, and so that's a maybe not first pick or maybe first quarterback. I should clarify. So it's another talented quarterback. They have a guy like Emmanuel Hall who had 172 catches, a couple touchdowns. Like I said, tight end. I'm going to butcher his name. Get ready for this, folks. Albert Okwegbunum. 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 Ah, that's better. Okwe. I got the W U E in there. Okwe. Whatever. He's good. Albert is a good tight end for their team. So they have a lot of good um, t- passing attacks, running attacks. That's who these players um, he mentioned, like uh, Demario Crockett, Larry Roundtree the third. Um, they do like uh, Hall to have an intriguing matchup in this game, who's their main receiver, because he's um, best when he goes deep. So when he feeds the goal up against Marcus Epps, Andrew Wingard, if there is any one-on-one coverage, it'll be interesting to see how they can match up against this team. And then – they don't – here's the funny thing. I ask him, so what about the defense on Missouri? He's like, I don't think we really know the strengths and weaknesses yet this year. <laughs> Just because – but going up from last year, their strength was stopping the run. So good luck with that, Wyoming. <laughs> yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, they have some experience on the interior of their defense. You know, they have a pair of seniors in Terry Beckner Jr. and Walter Palmore who, you know, on the stat sheet, both of those guys didn't do much. But obviously when you go back and look at how they shut down Tennessee Martin – you know, hard to hard to complain all that much. But it's really interesting because they also have two sophomores at the defensive end position and Chris Turner and Trey Williams. And so I think, you know, I think that Wyoming is going to need to focus on shutting those two guys down. So to me, the biggest keys to this game are how well are Zach Wallace and Alonzo Velasquez going to play? Because if they could keep Vanderwall upright... You know, if they can keep those guys from being too disruptive and, you know, more importantly, keep the running game moving forward, that is going to give Wyoming the best chance of pulling an upset on the road. All right. So I am predicting, like, one last thing on there. I asked one other question um, about him. Like, how's the average fan base feel about this game? It's a good combination of they should win easily and they might get upset. So it's kind of a, we'll see. They're not too sure. It's kind of a, well, because it could be because last year, remember, Missouri was one and five, and then rattled off six and one to finish the year to get bowl eligible. Mm-hmm. So they're hoping it's not an up and down season. I don't like. I want to think Wyoming well, could hang in this game, which I think they will. But I'm going to think it might be more like last week's game, where they keep it close, but the defense is just on the field way too much because the running game can't get going well enough. They're getting too many three and outs. Like remember last week, they were what three or thirteen on third downs. Mm-hmm. That's not good. So I think it's going to be. I think eighteen half points they can cover. But it might be like a 24-10 game, something like that, where it's not a ton of points. Because over under 52, which is huge. But I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going 24-10 Missouri. Yeah, I mean, this kind of seems like the ma- another matchup where the offense could struggle. And, you know, even if the defense plays well overall, you know, if they get beat over the top once or twice by Emmanuel Hall, who, by the way, 28 yards per catch in his last night over his last nine games. That's solid. Yeah, so it's not going to take that much, I think, for this game to go sideways on the Cowboys. I'm with you. I like them to cover the 18 and a half, 
but I think Missouri's going to win pretty comfortably. I'm going to say 34 to 17. All right, next game. We're at 40 minutes, and we still have a lot of games to go. we got to make this quick, Matt. All right, let's hustle. <laughs> Arkansas State going on the road to Colorado State. How did that happen? Arkansas. Arkansas. Oh, oh, excuse me. I apologize to the Red Wolves. This is Arkansas Razorbacks. Thank you, Matt. Coming to Fort Collins, Canvas Stadium. Uh, it's a 530 local kick, CBS Sports Network. Yeah. What are, okay, Matt, do you see how much it costs to get to this game? Would you pay $72 to watch this game? Not at this point. Let me ask you a question. Would you pay $72 to see any regular season Mountain West game? In conference. Uh, Let me refer to the conference game. I mean, I paid about $50 per ticket to see President State Boise State last year. Okay. I just don't like spending so much on tickets. I'll just watch it from home usually. But that's that seems a lot because this game, Arkansas, is 1-0. They, they beat up on some FCS team, I believe, last week. CSU is just a garbage fire. Eastern Illinois, that's or Eastern Indiana, one of the Eastern teams out there in the – Eastern Illinois. So, are we going to see? Is our is is first off? We don't know who the quarterback is going to be. It's probably going to be Carter Samuel still. Mike Bobo still said, well, maybe Colin Hill will come in and play more because he did see some time last week. I'm expecting Carter Samuel to not get the quick hook because with Hill still recovering from ACL tear, it's still a big adjustment from late February till now. Can I just say I really hated that that they put him in? Yeah, I mean well, I understand that the offense had you know, a lot of struggles, but I think that, you know, if you're going to try and create a quarterback controversy out of nothing, that's not going to work out well for you. Right. Cause remember a couple years ago, remember, but Bo- Boaton fought all those guys fought, a, um, fate and Sorry. I got to mix it up. But remember that, like when they played Colorado, they were just messing around, like pulling his musical chairs back there. And he was the head coach at that time. And so he should realize I should see how many snaps that Colin Hill played or how many passes he had, but you don't want to do that again. So, yes, I get maybe get him in there if you think he's healthy enough to play. It is a blowout. Give him a few plays here and there. But he already did say Colin Hill is going to play at some point. Mm-hmm. And so 18-33, a t- percentage, not terrible, but only a touchdown, a pick, uh, 176 yards. There's more of the defense than him offensively because they still had, like, Obasai Johnson played quite well, 82 yards. Preston Williams had a 49 yards. So they weren't terrible, a couple of the main guys, but – Maybe they brought Hill in. I don't remember the reasoning why. Maybe they brought him in just because to give him some reps. But he's already said they're both going to play. Mm-hmm. It's going to create a controversy. But I really think Hill shouldn't really be playing until almost Halloween, midseason. Give him a few more weeks. Maybe if this works out, they can keep him upright, fine, see what he has. And once he's really good to go, which he must be really, he must be ready to go if he's seen actual time. But it still seems early to get him back. But you're right. They can't. Do you want to replicate a couple years ago? Remember that? When they finally stuck with Nick Stevens, who should have been starting day one? I don't know. Can't have that happen again, right? He should. I would, I would hope not. Is Coach Bobo learning or not? I mean, I think one of the other things that you could point to in this game that, you know, if they can avoid it, it should be more competitive. You know, looking at last week's game in particular, Eastern Illinois had six fumbles and lost five of them. Oh, boy. <laughs> and, you know, because the Arkansas offense only ran 68 plays which is not that much but you know they had a huge field advantage you know field position advantage just because of the fact that they were forcing so many turnovers like they they were starting on average right around their own 40 yard line and so i think you know if you were looking for a silver lining and how rough the things look so far you know it's worth keeping in mind that you know i think they've only they haven't had any turnovers yet in the first two games, have they? Uh, Arkansas, Colorado State. Yeah. Oh, I should check on that. I am not sure. I just know they've been losing games. 
Yeah, because I'm pretty I'm pretty sure, you know, if you can if you could take one thing away is that they've taken care of the football, even if the offense has been a little bit erratic and the defense has been non-existent. Is, um, that, is that kind? Yes, they have not. Um, no, they have two interceptions. Oh, they do. Yeah, two picks in the Hawaii game, I believe they both were. Okay, so but a bit so but but I think my point still That's stands. That's not bad. Like if they game. can if they could take care of the football, they can give themselves a chance because you know Arkansas did not really have to do all that much. You know Ty Story, who I think is probably going to be, you know, the player to watch on their offense at quarterback. He was only twelve of seventeen, and while they were able to land big plays, I think their top four pass catchers all had. Uh, their shortest long play between them was 36 yards. Mm-hmm. So they were landing haymakers against Eastern Illinois. And, you know, having seen the way this defense plays the first couple of weeks, that makes me a little bit wary. But Yeah, it should. <laughs> but, you know, they didn't have to break out the running game all that much last week either. And but, so it kind of, it kind but, of remains to on. be seen. But they went 2.2 per carry. You could not break it out, but still average four yards a carry. That's true. And so I'm thinking, like, if they can make Arkansas one-dimensional, you know, and and this is kind of an open, like, an open question: Can the defensive backfield respond? Because so far they haven't. You know, they got beat pretty badly by both Cole McDonald and Stephen Montez in the last two weeks. The story's pretty good. He there was a controversy a quarterback who would start and play the most of him. Obviously, I I don't know unless the running game is so bad for Arkansas they can. Colorado State can either choose to like drop eight guys or like pick and choose. Okay, let's blitz and see what happens. But I don't think Arkansas's running the game is going to be that bad because the Rams look how much rushing yards they gave up against the Hawaii who, who does the run and shoot. Mm-hmm. They've like I know it's supposed to be meant that way of two options, QB or running back, but running game for Arkansas is going to be better. I think there's going to be a lot of points because I think Colorado State's offense should be able to move the ball again, but. I'm not taking the Rams at all. I, I think Arkansas is going to win and win big. I'm pretty sure. Th- I'm pretty sure this is the first pick that I'm changing from my preseason predictions. Uh-oh. So I'm kind of with you. I, I mean, I don't know that I've seen enough from the offense that, you know, if the defense falters again, which I think is a very strong possibility, whether they're going to be able to keep up. Yeah, I, I think they can score some points because they did versus Hawaii, but Hawaii's defense isn't very good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Arkansas straight up. Arkansas gets the spread. Sorry, Rams fans. I hope it's uh, not that outcome, but that's what we got, right? Yeah, I think it's probably going to be a pretty long afternoon for Rams fans. Right. I have Arkansas winning, you know, thirty-five to twenty. Um, I want to check pick center super quick before I move on to Fresno at Minnesota. Um, <laughs> that's about right. Um, team rankings forty-one twenty-eight. Um, ooh, number fire, which is still being saucy. Thirty-six thirty for CSU. <laughs> so they. There's something going on with their form. I'm, I'm telling you, somebody put an extra comma in there where it shouldn't have been or something. So. Yeah, and S&P Plus has it 47 to 26. Yeah, number five, you're dead to us pretty much, unless it's our favor. <laughs> <laughs> so Fresno State at Minnesota, that's a road game uh, in the land of a thousand lakes, uh, 430 Pacific, F- FS1. So make sure you have FS1. I think we have a FUBO or Sling trial, so check that out if you want to get it for free for the weekend. I did try YouTube TV, Matt. It was pretty good. So well, if you can get that in your area, that's pretty good too. Nice. So. Um, Minnesota, Fresno State. Let me. I'll let you start off with this game because this is your team. I'm excited for this game. What makes you excited for it? I mean, because I think it's a very good test of how 
legitimate they are going to be because like we said I don't need to rehash all the questions we talked about in our preseason preview but you know they answered the bell and then some against Idaho last week but that was Idaho and Minnesota came out against New Mexico State and you know we were having the conversation after Wyoming beat them last Saturday that you know how good are the Aggies going to be overall and then Minnesota came out and basically took them to the woodshed and you know while it wasn't a perfect performance you know they have a lot of talent on both sides of the ball where you know that what is it two and a half point line at this point correct yes you know if if they are seeing this as a fairly even matchup i kind of see it the same way because minnesota's pretty good on yeah they're pretty good on offense and defense yeah and they they're they say it's a walk-on quarterback. Wasn't he like a four-star guy, though, their quarterback? He was, Zach Yannick said it was a three-star guy. But they make the big deal the title. Walk-on quarterback, true freshman, starting from Minnesota. Side mm. note, three-star quarterback is probably pretty good. <laughs> and so it's like, <laughs> come on. It's like, I get I saw those headlines because that came across a lot, and that's kind of a interest to us because of this game this weekend. And, yeah, New Mexico State, they've been obviously not what they thought they were last year, I think mostly because they lost a million people on offense. And so it's we've seen New Mexico State twice. So they Wyoming took care of them fairly easily. Minnesota crushed them with ease. And so here's what you look at, like where we want to look at. The running game is really good for Minnesota in one game because that could also be more a detriment to New Mexico State because so did Wyoming. They ran quite well. So six yards of carry, same thing on passing for per attempt. Like I said, Anstead had a couple TDs, no picks. Do you think this could be a shootout? Because I've stated that I think Fresno State's going to have the biggest percentage jump in total offense in the conference. I don't know. My intuition tells me probably not. You don't think it's a shootout? I think it's going to come down to whoever makes more stops. I guess that's right, because Fresno's defense is good. We shouldn't forget about that. Yeah, and to me, and and I think this is something that I wrote about in the preview for, for Idaho, but I think it's doubly true now, you know, how how well is that front four going to play? Because they played pretty well last week against Idaho, and you know if you look at Minnesota's front line, you know they've got three underclassmen at, at left guard, at right guard, and right tackle, either freshmen or sophomores. So you know they have you know Donnell Green, who's one of the quietly one of the better tackles in the Big Ten. But there are some matchups that I think that this front four is going to be able to exploit. I'm really excited to see what Jasad Haynes can do. You know, how disruptive can he be? Because he got the job done in, you know, last Saturday. So what do you think about, like, we mentioned that could be a shootout. I think Fresno State could put a lot of points because it's hard to tell Minnesota. They looked good, but Mexico State just, whatever. We, we don't need to do that again. But they gave up only 10 points. I'm, I'm 90% sure, 99% sure that Fresno State will score more than 10 points because Keyshawn Johnson, the running game, and McMarion back there. I don't know how good this Minnesota defense could be. You mentioned a couple guys who are really good in the Big Ten. So the over-under is 48. That sounds okay. That sounds about right. And, man, number five is weird. They have Fresno by six points. Team rankings basically has a two-point edge for Minnesota. It's going to be super close. Well, actually, I don't know if it will be that close because – I'm just trying to talk in circles here, but I think Minnesota is going to be very surprised by what Fresno State's defense comes against them this weekend. I think you're right. Because, again, true freshman quarterback. Yeah, he played New Mexico State, who they do have a couple guys, but it is their second game, so that does help them out a bit. But 
the, this defense is going to be quite way better than what it saw versus the Aggies last week. And so, absolutely. And I mean, I think that if you look at last week's game, you know, on the whole, Anikstad, you know, he had an okay game. He was sixteen of thirty-three. But one of the most important things is that he was five of thirteen after halftime. Ooh, so I figured him out. Maybe. And, you know, I think the most critical matchup in this game is Minnesota's receivers versus, you know, Fresno State's defensive backfield because, you know, they have everybody coming back. Fresno State does. You know, Jaron Bryant, Tank Kelly, by the way, they both showed up really well on special teams last week. Let's not forget about that. But those two guys are going to need to have a very good game because we knew coming into the year that Tyler Johnson was going to be like their number one guy at Minnesota. And he answered the bell. He had 100 yards, two touchdowns last week. But they also had some of their young guys step up and contribute as well. Rashad Bateman had five catches. Um, Chris Altman-Bell had four catches. You know, They both averaged about 10.5 yards apiece. And so now, all of a sudden, the offense looks a lot different when you can't focus only on one guy. And you know, if there's a threat to pass, you know that takes a little bit of pressure off for Rodney Smith, who... You know, we knew all about him coming into the year. He had 150 yards last week. You know, you know the status of his backup, Muhammad Ibrahim, is kind of up in the air because I guess he injured his leg or his knee on the last run that he had last Saturday. But, you know, if Minnesota can show that they can be balanced, you know, that's going to make it a lot tougher on this Fresno State defense. But, you know, I think that the defense is going to be game to kind of answer those questions. So what's your prediction on this one? It's exactly the same as it was in preseason. I think it's going to be close. But I like Fresno State in this game to win 28-24. 28-24. So I'm going the similar route. I think – I'm going to say this. I think it's going to be – Fresno State's going to shut down the offense because, like you said, the quarterback, he already threw a lot fewer than 50% for the whole game. And the second half was just awful. He's under 50% for the entire game. I'm going – I think it'll be like a, a double-digit win for Fresno State. Interesting. Well, if they do that, will they be ranked finally? I think they'll be close. You don't think they'll be ranked? We all, we all, we all know how these rankings work. But they beat the Big Ten team on the road, Matt. Come on. That's a big deal. I think what's going to happen in this game is the running game is going to punch Minnesota's front four right in the mouth. And they'll be like, holy crap, what's going on here? Because I think that you know the fact that they can be more balanced than New Mexico State is going to make a huge difference in this game. Exactly. So, I yeah, I, I, that makes plenty of sense. I say double-digit wins. So, like, maybe, like... 30 to 20, something like that. It'll be about a 10-point win. All, All right. right. Um, this will be about a 10-second preview. Um, Sacramento State at San Diego State. Um, is this on Mountainous Network? Is this on – no, this is no TV. Again, no TV game. Dang. Why is the Mountainous Mount Network why not airing this game? I don't know. They should be airing every game possible. So really quick, San Diego State, because they should win this one. They lost to Stanford last week. Wasn't that close. They did stifle Bryce Love, but the – Secondary got beat up a little bit, giving up 31 points. They allowed um, Stanford's quarterback, who I'm spacing on their name. KJ Costello. Yeah, not Andrew Luck. That's why I know it's not Andrew Luck. Uh, but um, John Washington looked really good. They're going to win fine. I just want to see the defense have a like a shutout. They'll come out probably pissy and want to do really good and win this game like 40-0 to zero and give up negative yards to the offense. Yeah, I mean, Sacramento State had three different players throwing passes in their win against St. Francis. I think they're an NAIA team, if I'm not mistaken. I, I've been to St. Francis. If it's St. Francis, New York, I've been to that school before. 
is actually St. Francis, Illinois. Never mind. I've not been to St. Francis, Illinois. There's probably a lot of St. Francis schools out there. <laughs> but, you know, they and but they completed, you know, 76% of their passes. You know, they had over 400 yards. It was kind of it was a beat down. And so I think, you know, with the disappointment that the secondary had last week, this is going to be a really good test for their ability to rebound. And I think they will. I still think that this is one of the better secondaries in the conference. Yeah, and Sacramento State will probably throw a little bit of joking about negative yards, but they should win easily and will want to. And this is, I believe, with that firework game, so maybe that's why they chose not to put on TV at all, even streaming. They have that huge game every year. With the, you know, I'm talking about the air show or something, I believe. Yeah, I think so. So this will also be, this is going to sound bad against Aztec fans, but this will be their largest attending game all year. Hmm. Because those always are. When Chris, our buddy Chris Hondras is down there, these would be near salads out at uh, Qualcomm just because of the air show. Mm-hmm. So there could be 50,000 people for this game. So maybe that's why tickets are $25 to get in. Could be. UTEP at UNLV. This almost could be another. Oh, wait, wait, wait. I think we forgot one. Oh, sorry. Uh, my, uh, we did. I apologize. My order has Utah State at the top because they're one of my marked teams is where I, because location-based here. We already talked about Aggie. So Mexico State, Utah State, who's uh, the face of Facebook football. So make sure it's, you get... it's the Arizona Bowl rematch. Yeah, Arizona Bowl, the Aggie Bowl. Um, it's in Romney or Maverick Stadium. They need to adjust that in ESPN. It's not Romney Stadium. It's a Maverick State Rom Maverick Stadium on Romney Field or something weird like that with five names. Um, is there no line in this game? Is it? Hmm. I thought that there was. I'm looking at Pick Center. I, I, let me remove that. I'm sorry, it's a Utah State opened at 21. It's now a 24 point line in favor of the Utah State Aggies. That sounds about right. You think so? Yeah, I think so. Because Utah State, we didn't talk about it at all, but they nearly upset Michigan State last week on the road after getting like no respect from the Big Ten Network guys, which what do you expect there? It's a conference network. You're going to be some homers involved, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Jordan Love looked really good. Really good against an offense that or defense. Um, You know, he said Wisconsin could be the best team any Mountain West team, Mountain West team faces all year. That mm-hmm. Michigan State defense might be the best defense any Mountain West team will face all year. And they put that up 30, 31 points. I talked to uh, Crowley Sullivan over at SpartansWire.com. He's like, this could be the best defense in the country. And Utah State put up 31 on them. Well, maybe they're not the best defense in well, the country then. I'm just, I'm just saying, going into the year, that's what he thought. So, Yeah, and I mean, I think you know we don't need to talk too much about New Mexico State because we've already talked about them with some of these other games. <laughs> exactly. But I think that this is a good opportunity for the Aggies, Utah State, I should mention, to kind of answer those big disappointments from last week. Because one of the things that you know maybe made a difference was the fact that they couldn't get the running game going against the Spartans last week. You know, uh, uh, Gerald Bright didn't even get any carries. You know, Darwin Thompson only had 28 yards on 10 carries. Well, Bright had two carries, actually. Oh, he did. I was told, but Matt, I was told specifically by Aggie guys who cover the team, Gerald Bright was the next breakout star. That could still be true. <laughs> Only half kidding. But, but, you know, they put a lot in Jordan Love's hands last week. And to be to be fair, you know, he answered the bell for the most part, you know, over 300 yards. You know, I think one thing that I would like to see is to, to avoid the turnovers because he did have two interceptions last week as well. And a fumble. And a fumble. So I think that... You know, if they can clean up those things, you know, we've seen New Mexico State, we've seen Wyoming and Minnesota run the ball all over them. So if I'm looking for a rebound, I think Darwin Tonsman could have a huge game. They should. And also, you know what, kind of disappointing by losing by seven points. Another one one possession loss for Utah State. Oof. 
they're what is it now like one in 13 one in 14 the past three plus years that's rough it's like dude to split those and this would be a completely different conversation maybe not this game but matt wells may not be in the hot seat a little bit so i think the running game will do fine level i think aggie's 20 was it 23 and a half and increased to no excuse me 20 um 21 and a half, 24 sorry that is that too, that's too many points i'm thinking man I don't think so. 62 point over under? I mean, I'm thinking that Utah State could drop 38 or 40 on these guys. So you think like 40 to 20 or something? 40 to 30? No, I think it's going to be like 40 to 17. 40 to 17. Actually, that would be. No. That, that 40, 40 to 10. <laughs> that would push the game. Let's say 40 to 10 because I do like Utah State to win, obviously, but I also like them against the spread. I'm going with uh, Aggies to win, but New Mexico, or excuse me, Utah State to win, New Mexico State to cover, but it'll be like a 21 point victory still. <laughs> All right, ready for that game? Next game? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, I moved out of my. Sorry, it's Fresno State game. Let me back up on my browser here. So it's Fresno State at Minnesota, FS1. Sorry if I skipped a game there. It's what, uh, 5 Pacific? Is that correct? Oh, well, it's 530, 5.30 uh, Mountain Time, 430 um, Pacific, but we already talked about that one. Oh, what am I doing here? Why am I. I... <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I removed my schedule tab on here to go back. I know it's a game I missed. It was UTEP UNLV. I wanted to just re- revisit the Fresno game because I think they're going to do so well. UTEP at UNLV, sorry. Um, so UTEP, um, are they worse than San Jose State? Because that seems like the p- real possibility. <laughs> they got whooped by Northern Arizona last week. Also, you know, they're yeah, they're, they're <laughs> dead last in S&P Plus. Just behind uh, San Jose State. I mean, this is. I mean, let's be real. This is a team that is basically just starting over. It's. It's. We've talked about year zero situations, and for Dana Dimel out in El Paso, this is absolutely the case. Yeah, and also real quick, uh, I I don't have the research to back this up, um, but when's the last time UNLV's been favored this many points ever in football, like ever? That that is a very good question. I this wish I had that answer. Very well, could be the largest point spread in favor of the rebels ever and i'm not being hyperbole well Hyper- no 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 because let's not forget that oh dang it <laughs> howard was that an official line for i guess you could bet on it so um i mean let's put it this way unlv better not lose this game <laughs> because go. utep is awful you know what's gonna be a big factor in this game what's gonna be a big factor um this game should not be starting 6 p.m pacific it should be starting at like 8 pacific you think so? Do you see the temperature is? Uh, I have not seen the forecast. 106 at kickoff. Oh, that's nothing. Nothing? <laughs> I mean, I mean I'm mean, i in Fresno where True. it's basically 100 degrees all summer long. Yeah. There's also a reason that uh, Arizona State, Michigan State game in Tempe starting like at 845 Mountain mm. Time or some. What, I don't know what time zone Arizona is, but it's 1045 Eastern. Whatever that c- computes to Arizona, that's mm. what time it is out there. So it's a late game. That's a big deal. But – you know what we want to see this game? I want to see Lexington Thomas um, run like crazy. I want to see Armani Rogers not turn the ball over, score a lot of touchdowns, throw the ball well. Because USC, they put they gave USC a scare. I know they had a few kind of tricky sort of plays, but they ran off some big runs. They ran for, what, 300 yards against USC? 308 yards. Thomas had that 71-yarder. He had Armani Rogers with the 82 total. Even uh, Ostry back there, Evan Ostry had, uh, had that one play where he had 36 yards at the end of round, I want to say. I thought it was interesting that Tony Sanchez, in, in reflecting on the results of that game, said not to worry about Armani Rogers' completion percentage. Because he was only 12 of 27, and even though he had the two touchdowns, 
and you know, I think that having watched most of that game, I would tend to agree. You know, he's a young guy; he's still coming to it into his own. And you know, in the same way that we talked about, you know, he still made a difference on the ground too. If you adjust for sack yardage, he had over a hundred yards on the ground, and that's a net positive, I think, even if he wasn't quite as efficient throwing the ball as you would have liked. It, to me, I want to see the defense take another step forward because for as well as they played last week, I think maybe there's an argument to be made that they got a little bit lucky, especially in that first half where USC was really moving the ball on them, but they just weren't able to close out on drives. And well, so, you know, we, we talked about New Mexico going from Incarnate Word to Wisconsin, that kind of jumping difficulty. <laughs> this is the other way around. The inverse. <laughs> yeah where UNLV should be able to shut them down on defense. And so I'm looking for kind of big games all around. I expect them to win the turnover battle. I expect them to force a lot of three and outs and win this game big. But also, like UNLV's defense, that first half, USC was struggling to convert third downs. Exactly. So his defense is, because they were overall 7-16, that's okay, but UNLV 5-15 for on their part. But they nearly had the same amount of yards, 500 yards allowed for UNLV, but they were shutting down trojans had to work to get those third down conversions mm-hmm. so there was only a couple of things like yeah usc had the talent that fourth quarter just blew it open but this unlb defense is looks to be better than we thought yeah 43 points seems like oh crap whatever but for three quarters of the game they were ahead and outplaying usc for the most part yeah and they were getting big performances from the defensive line gabe mccoy had three and a half tackles for loss roger mann had a tackle and a half for loss those are the kinds of performances that unlb needed in that game and they got them and if they can keep that rolling against a, a, a UTEP offense that only had, you know, two and a half yards per carry last week, you know, this should be the biggest win of the weekend by any Mountain West team. So do you think they're going to cover? I think it's going to be like fifty-nine to ten. I'm going fifty to ten. They're gonna they're gonna destroy UTEP. So if they win, the, if UNLV wins that big, would you push up UNLV in like your power rankings, or it's just like whatever it's UTEP? I think I would probably tend toward the latter. Okay. If well, I mean, I I would have moved. I can't remember if I voted or not. I would have moved them up one spot anyway. I think because of their performance against USC. Mm-hmm. But you know, let's be real. Beating UTEP, even rolling against UTEP, is not going to move the needle pretty much at all. Well, I think it would because UNLV never UNLV never does that. So I mean, but but that's something that literally every Mountain West team should be able to do. And yes, that includes San Jose State. The same Spartan seems to lost to UC Davis at home. Like, yeah, they should be able to beat UTEP. They should be able to beat UTEP. Okay. I mean, UC Davis might be better than UTEP. Let's put it that <laughs> way. We should, I should pull up the Sagarin ratings just to see because he goes down to like FCS and FBS combo. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So you both of us have UNLV rolling as they should. I just want to see a big performance. Defense do another step up. And I want to see Rodgers complete. Can we say 54% as an uptick for this week? Yeah. Is that fair? Minimum? Yeah, I think that's fair. All right, so what do we got next year? Oh, by the way, oh, before yes. we move on, UC Davis in the Sagarin ratings, 150. Okay. Uh-oh. UTEP? 184. 184. What? <laughs> I'm telling you, man. <laughs> UTEP is not good. So they are not a, a, an expansion candidate for the Mountain West to get back in the conference? I would I, – no, probably not. Is Mexico State anymore? <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. Yes. Uh, these next couple games are should be pretty quickly. UConn at Boise State. Um, 
UConn is lucky enough to, or unlucky, to play pro- arguably two of the best teams in Group of Five. They got smoked by UCF in their opener. Now they get to travel across country. Sorry, Dan Connolly, if you're going to watch this game, keep us updated on your status if you're going to watch. It is late game for 815 Mountain Time, ESPNU. 31.5 point line. And the over-under is only 64. <laughs> Can we just say this is going to be the second biggest win of the weekend and call it a day? No, we're not. Because I want to ask okay. you about the turnover throne. Okay. Well, what's your thoughts on that? I love it. I am pro-throne, obviously. I am pro-fun. Yes, this is a this is the goofiest game that America has ever created. <laughs> it is because think about it. They had soccer, rugby. Let's make this game the only the United States essentially plays. And, and my only my only request is that they up the ante as the weeks continue. Such as, well, I mean, I threw it out there on Twitter that they should just start slapping things on there like it's the Iron Throne. <laughs> Did they do anything last week from Troy? Because I was out of town or out of service. I only glimpsed at that game and saw a few clips of the drone did they put any special things on there after the victory uh not that i'm aware of but they i'm sh- saying that they should they should. or or they could take it a step further and just turn it into a planken and then like whoever is the defensive player of the week for the team just have them get carried onto the field <laughs> yes. by practice squad players or something like that yes um yeah, non-travel guys, uh, equipment manager people will say, sorry, you now get to carry this 250-pound lineman or defensive end on a chair that weighs, that was bought from a garage sale that your grandma threw away. Exactly. <laughs> but it's amazing. Like, I saw one piece um, at a place that um, doesn't like fun who also – Oh, I saw that piece too. There's a reason I didn't link to it directly. I took a screenshot on my personal account because that website is really uh, out there and crazy. They don't like fun, but – if you're not paying the players as much as they should be getting, whatever COA is fine, you whatever it helps a little bit, but have fun. Who who cares? If it gets to be a huge distraction, then maybe Coach Harson or something will get rid of it. But this was the cornerback coach who brought it up, and I'm sure Harson was fine with it because it was trap. It went to a freaking road game. This wasn't a home thing. They had to. How did they ship the chair, Matt? Was it probably the back of the equipment truck? Most I don't likely. Think so. So it's like have some fun with it. Like they should do some sort of notch on the of the throne whenever they get a victory over a team. So pro fun and be on the lookout. Um, just saying now, a little tease. Look for a um, maybe a king of chaos T-shirt down the road. Just saying. Ooh. Yeah, it's in the works. Nice. So, like, we I see, approve. Yeah, as you should. Next game: San Jose State, Washington. Wait, 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 wait. We didn't give any predictions oh. or anything like that, or <laughs> actually talk about the game at all. Can we just say stop, David Pindle, and sure. you've got this under control? Because I did watch more of that UCF game last week, and. You know, he did give the Knights, you know, a little bit of a headache. You know, he combined, I think, for about 400 yards, all things considered. You know, he was their leading rusher. He had 157 yards, seven yards per carry. That's good. Yeah. And he completed about two-thirds of his passes for 266 yards. So he's a dual-threat guy who could, you know, move the ball a little bit if the Broncos are a little bit hungover from their big, big road win last week. But, I mean, other than that, I don't know if there's really anybody else on this offense. It's a huge threat. You know, Kyle Buss was their leading receiver from last week. He had over 113 yards. Maybe he poses a problem. I think Avery Williams is still on the mend, if I'm not mistaken. I'm not sure, but does it matter? It probably doesn't. <laughs> it probably does not. I think Boise State, like you said, is going to win big in this game. Do you think they're going to cover the 31 I absolutely, I absolutely think they're going to cover. I think it's going to be like 41-7. to Okay. Let's move on. San Jose State at Washington State, Pac-12 Network. 
Nine dollar <laughs> ticket, folks. Nine dollar tickets. If you want to get into this game, and the line ESPN slacking again, they don't have the line listed here, but it is it looks like a thirty four and a half line in favor of the the um, Cougars out there on the West Coast. Sixty five and a half spread, or excuse me, over under. I don't know what to make. Like we saw Washington State last week, they struggled a little bit against Wyoming, but is Washington State going to put up like seventy? I mean, there's a really good chance with as rough as the Spartans' defense looked last week against UC Davis. I mean, I think their biggest chance at a victory is going to be if they can turn it into a track meet. Because if there's one big takeaway, you know, if you're looking for a glimmer of hope in this game, it's that the tenor of the game changed once Montel Aaron got under center. And I still don't understand why they put Josh Love in to start no, this game. No, Montel Aaron, that's, I was going to agree, say the same thing. He should be the starting quarterback, bar none. But I think that it's worth pointing out that, you know, in the first, you know, two and a half quarters or so, because Montel Aaron didn't get until the third quarter. They only had one passing play of more than 15 yards. Was it by him? And, no, that's what I'm saying. Before he came into the game. Oh, it was before. Four. Oh, before. And then after he came in, they had seven, including, you know, the two big touchdowns that he had to Bailey Gaither. So, you know, the passing game showed signs of life. I'm assuming he's the guy under center. He better and, be. And so I think that if they want to have a chance they're, you know, they're going to have to come out firing especially since one of the biggest takeaways from last week's game since we didn't get to talk about it was that Tyler Nevins you know he injury. suffered what seemed to be a pretty serious injury and he's not even on the two deep this week so you know if Dijon Packer or, and Malik Groverson if they could pick up the slack Nevins had himself a pretty nice game last week as well and so you know, the offense can do something. Yeah, I think that they'll be able to move the ball a little bit more than Wyoming did. Let's put it that way. It's hard not to. But the biggest question is, what is that defense going to do? And for that, I have no idea. Because the offense has. Like, come in, if Nevin is there, if Aaron's back there, Gaither, they have a few pieces. Because, again, I'll point back to the first half of the last year before Montel Aaron got hurt versus Utah. <clears throat> On the road, a really good Utah defense. He went down the field a couple times and got 10 quick points. Mm-hmm. He's a guy who can make plays happen. I don't know what the deal is. I, it's it should be Montel Aaron, and if he plays, they're not going to win. But there's promise and consistency instead of playing three quarterbacks to get in your opener against an FCS team where he brought in the third quarter the other quarterbacks because you needed them, not because you're winning big. Yeah, and the other thing to keep in mind too is you know it, it they were eight of twenty one on the whole game, but they were five of nine on third downs once Montel Aaron came into the game. So there was a marked change, yeah. you know, in their ability to just kind of keep the chains moving even. And so, yeah, it's just that defense, man, that looked rough last week. So what do you think? Are they going to, is Missouri, or excuse me, Washington State going to cover this big time? I don't think that they will. I think they're going to win pretty big, but maybe not 30 and a half, 34 and a half points big. I think it's probably going to be something like 52 to 28 or something like that. You think they'll score 28 points? I think they will. I'm going like 40 to 10, man. I mean, I, I'm not something like total, that. I'm not totally sold on Washington State's defense. True. Um, I'm making a change. I'm going to take San Jose State to get the spread just because I don't think Washington State can score that many points. All right. Ready for the final game? Yes. So you did the preview for this game, or how to watch type thing. So this is, uh, it's out in the island, so you got to search and hunt for that channel. It's on Oceanic uh, Time Warner. It's uh, 8 p.m. Pacific, 
So midnight Eastern. So what is that? Uh, why six o'clock? Five six o'clock? Because Rolovich asked if we'd like the five o'clock games. I'd prefer the five o'clock game local because it's only ten o'clock or nine o'clock here. Mm-hmm. That'd be nicer. So is this game? Because actually, you could stream games. Is this game being streamed on what the Mountain West Network or something on the mainland? I believe it's available on the Stadium app. Okay, so not Facebook because that would allow oh those islands. It's like sixty bucks to get these games. That's ridiculous. Yeah. So we'll look for that watch stadium. So we will tweet out the link to that as well. Follow along with us if we're up late watching this game. But telling you, Hawaii is going to be three and zero after this game. In my March, I'm going to if they win this game, I'm, maybe I'll do it before five times. Today's only Thursday. I'm telling you, they will be six and zero before the end of the month. So tell me what you think is going to happen in this game. Um, I think Hawaii is going to throw the ball a lot. Uh, no, seriously, but kidding, but not not kidding. But McCall McDonald looks really good as a quarterback. They played Navy, who usually has an okay defense for them, and that's and that's kind of uh, wasn't the case. Fifty nine points are given up, but it's going to be the same we've seen in the past two weeks. Rice will be the worst team they have played all year. Which they're not as good as Colorado State. Because remember, Rice nearly lost to Prairie View A and M FCS team at home. Cole McDonald mm-hmm. had six touchdowns last week against Navy. My concern is not the pat offense. Fred Hawley had. 82 yards. Uh, John Ursura had another game with two touchdowns. They had guys like uh, three guys had two touchdowns each in the passing game. I'm not worried about that one bit. I'm worried about if Rice's offense somehow gets going. Because versus, versus Navy, it was 35 nothing or 31 nothing, excuse me. And then Navy came back and made this a game. That's my concern is what the defense will do versus Rice. Yeah, I mean, I, I was able to watch a little bit of what Rice did against Houston last week. And it was kind of interesting because you know, they don't, obviously they don't run the the run and shoot like Hawaii does, but they do a little bit of like the spread offense. And they also do a lot of pro style offense too, which I think you would kind of expect from a Stanford guy like Mike Bloomgren, their head coach. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they caught Houston napping more than once in that game. And so one of the things that I pointed out in my preview that I'll mention here is how successful Rice was running play action. Because, you know, they were able to turn that into two touchdowns against the Cougars last weekend. One of them was on a third and 11 where they ran play action. And the other one was on the, you know, a goal line situation where the tight end, who, by the way, has a fantastic name. Do you know his name? The tight end? Yeah. Um, no, I see. I see receiving. Who's your tight end? His name is Jager Bull. Oh, he had one catch for two yards. Yeah. And that was a touchdown. Did That's you... an amazing name. What about Sean Stankovich? Stank is it Stankovich or Stankovich? It's probably not Stankovich because that would be terrible. Stankovich. I don't I know. No idea. It's just a, it's an odd looking name. So is his nickname Stink? Probably because that's easy and stupid to do. Yeah, and so you know the offense showed signs of life, which is more than what you could say for their offense last year. And I think that you're right. I think you with what we've seen in the last couple of weeks, where the defense can the the Hawaii defense can look really strong for stretches. But in the last two weeks, they've let teams back into games. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me to see that happen again. But I'm with you. I kind of think that the offense will be able to put up points almost at will. Oh, one quick note real quick. Sorry, I'm not to sidetrack. Um, I got my Q&A back from Adam Sparks at Tennessee in. Mm-hmm. So they are getting Ladarius Wiley back for sure. Zaire Jones and I are back waiting a court date. Okay. So he's not in the starting lineup. So. That doesn't change my pick from before, but I'm just just a note. I got the email. I'm like, hey, let's bring this up now because it's sort of breaking at the moment as okay. we're talking. So, but you're right. Rice can put up points. They because right, Houston's defense is pretty good. You've heard of Ed Oliver, right? The guy on a horse, but he mm-hmm. cannot. Um, 
what is the orcas that got him in Hawaii last year? No, no, it was a sea urchin. <laughs> sea urchin. Orca, sea ear, urchin, kind of same thing. I think we'd be having a different conversation if an orca got to Ed Oliver. <laughs> exactly. I knew it was something uh, unique. But again, Rice, like they, Stankovic, whatever, Stankovic had three TDs, um, 66% completion percentage. I think maybe I have a misconception that it'll be a blowout by the line, but I think um, time change will be a little wonky for them just because it is when you go to Hawaii, it's always hard to play and win. I think Hawaii will cover, but it'll be sort of like they'll maybe score late to win by maybe 20 points. Like similar to the Navy game where they win pretty big, but it'll be a comfortable win, but like closer than the final score really showed. I do like Hawaii to win this game as well. But with what I've seen from the defense in the last couple of weeks, I'm hedging a little bit on, on taking the points a third time. So I would take Rice to cover hmm. uh, 17 and a half, but I would take Hawaii to win pretty comfortably. I'm going to say... Uh, let's say 35-21. 35-21. You think that sounds about right? I think so. I think they'll score more than that. I think they'll put up 50. Interesting. I think the offense is that good. It'll be like 50 to... The, what, what's 50? 50 to 20. Was that covering? 38, 40? Yeah. That would be 22. Yeah. That would be... Oh, that's, mm, I'll go 45-22. That's still covering, okay. though. <laughs> it is, yeah. I, that's what I have here. I, I was trying to do math in my head. So that's what I got for those games. So so am I, am I still far-fetched? Say Hawaii could be 6-0 by the end of the month? I mean, if you look ahead to the next three games, I don't see why not. Hey, I said it last week. Are people listening to me? Anybody? You said that after You said that after week zero. I did. Anybody, is, that's what I meant. Oh, sorry. We didn't have the podcast, but that's what I meant last show. or last. You, you are officially the bandwagon leader, as far as I'm concerned. Are they getting the throwbows, the B-O-W-S? Can we start that hashtag? Um. Yes. Should we maybe – I may, maybe I'll talk to our buddies at Breaking Tea to make a throwbow shirt. You should. I should see what uh, good old Jamie Mortrin has to say and send him a DM and say, hey, what about this one? So that'll be good. So let me ask you this. Did you approve of, approve of our power rankings this week? Yeah, I guess it's fine. What? What's wrong with it? Because that's yeah, it's not... fine. <laughs> you didn't vote this week, did you? Because you kind of looked that think up. I, I think I forgot. <laughs> forgot to vote. I, I forgot about the link. So you were not the Fresno State fan because you and the other Matt, who also covered Fresno State, did not put them number one. Put them number one. Then mm-hmm. somebody put them number one. Can we kind of do you know who that would be at all? I don't. I don't have them put in names, so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think they deserve a first place vote? Yes, because if I had remembered to vote, I would have put them first. Ah, so Hawaii at three is that the big too big of a jump for them? Uh maybe. And I mean, and that's only because, you know, I, I kind of want to see, I, I'm a little conservative when it comes to moving teams up and down the power rankings and things like that. You are? So I am. Yeah. Unless it's like a huge victory. And so I would probably still have Hawaii closer to the middle of the pack. Okay. I think I probably would have put Utah State three rather than It Hawaii. was close. Therefore, Aztecs five, Wyoming dropped one spot from six to, or mm-hmm. five to six. But like, what let me ask you this because I know this you're not you're not gonna like my question I'm gonna ask you but we're running out of time I want to ask anyways if Hawaii is six and zero beating the likes of the power weights of Rice Duquesne <laughs> San Jose State Army will they be ranked in the, any top twenty five poll because they are getting a few votes this past week I think if they keep winning the way that they have which is to say they score buckets of points then mm, probably <laughs> probably. Okay. So, will the three teams be ranked in Boise, Fresno, and Hawaii? <laughs> um, if they're undefeated, they absolutely will be. I, I think for 
for Fresno State, they're probably going to need to wait until the end of non-conference play. Like if they can get past Minnesota, UCLA, and Toledo undefeated, they'll be in the top 25. And then, you know, Boise, if they keep winning, you know, UConn may not move the needle that much. Score 100 and it will. Yeah. (laughs) But if they beat Oklahoma State and they beat Wyoming and San Diego State, they're they're yeah. going to be in the teen. They're going to be in the high teens before they know it. Exactly. One quick note before we go: Fresno and Minnesota here. So I'm looking at the um, Fresno State record against this like betting line. Mm-hmm. They are five zero and one against the spread as a on the as a road team. They're six and zero as an underdog against the spread, and three and zero as a road dog against the spread. Interesting. So victory, right? Chalk it up. I already said that. I know. I'm just saying. I guess technically they could lose by one and two points and still get all those. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so that's what we got there. So check us out, mwr.com. Thank you for making through this uh, lengthy show. We had 12 games. We were going to try to do uh, a pair of podcasts like a couple weeks ago, but that didn't work out. So the 90 minutes, you're welcome on your long commute. So listen halfway at home, halfway to work, whatever you do, train ride, um, Facebook, Mountain Wire, MWC Wire on the good old Twitters. And we'll, we will be back for a recap on Sunday, some point Sunday. But, um, yeah, we're we're here. And – Go Mountain West, right? Mm Mm-hmm.